This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Music now. Trying to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry. All right, we're back. <laughs> And the Ducks, uh, they pulled out a oh, no. they, uh, they about didn't that. pull out an overtime about win. That. They uh, <laughs> no, they collapsed with 16 <clears throat> seconds to go in the third period in in perfect tank fashion, mm-hmm. and lost to the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, what to say about this game? Honestly, uh, it was kind of what we expected when you and me talked about this. I'm trying to remember what I think we talked about on Twitter, uh, th- Feather. Yeah, it was Pecks of a Feather that we, we did that, the preview going yeah. out moving forward. And we, we talked about how the Blackhawks were the worst team in the league in, in goals against and how the Ducks, yeah. if they're going to score goals, this would be the team to do it against. The only problem is the Blackhawks' offense is top 10 in the yeah. league. And it showed in this game. They didn't light the Ducks up, but they had a yeah. lot of ch- chances. Ryan Miller had to stand on his head, and they made the Ducks pay late with a late goal by Patrick Kane. Yeah, a couple of late goals, as a matter of fact. Uh, couldn't hold on to that lead. And uh, yeah, this this one was weird all around. I mean, you know, the, you get two shorthanded goals, a five-minute power play where a goal is scored, and then, you know, last 16 seconds a goal and just, you know, last five minutes, a, a lead lost and then completely lost within the last five minutes. And your top defender is, is the one to blame on kind of both of them. Yeah, it's... Uh... It, it's just it's so <laughs> bad because like I'm not it's as mad a as way I to win I guess <laughs> yeah I, like I'm not as bad as I, I normally mean. would be in a regular season right because at least like it's the tank year but yeah. losing this way no matter what the, this the the goal of this season is whether it's playoffs or like this year going for a high draft pick it still sucks yeah. it still sucks playing a pretty decent game and then your best defenseman gets walked by Brandon Saad, and you leave Patrick Kane open, probably the, the worst guy to leave open. He scores his 40th goal of the season. <laughs> right He's the last guy you want to leave open, and, and he if he gets a chance like that 90% of the time, probably 100% of the time with Patrick Kane, he's going <laughs> to put that back of the net, right? So it's yeah. just so frustrating seeing that happen because it, it's so typical of, of Ducks hockey this year to play a pretty decent game against yeah not a great team but still a team that's been hot ish it's a late. hot it was a hot team they they did one ten out of the last 14 coming in uh they got one of the best power plays and gave them a five minute power play and additional power plays after that uh so i mean it, you know it was, wasn't going to be an easy task but at the same time they 
it wasn't bad. They just found a new way to lose. <laughs> yeah. It's Everybody's just, uh, surprised you yeah. have hair in the chat here. Daniel's like, oh, yeah, right? Jason has hair. <laughs> I used to have more. I just, uh, I, I had to get it cut. It was ridiculous. Uh, whenever I put on a hat and then all of a sudden the hair shoots out from the side, it's like trying to escape from hats. So it's, uh, nobody cares about the game. It literally, every comment <laughs> is, oh, Jason has hair. Derek says, Jason looking fresh. Right, Daisy says, oh my God, what happened to your beard, Jason? If it's that distracting, I'll go get a hat. I just, I didn't it's realize not, it's it was gonna, just it was gonna pull away from everything. <laughs> People want to know what happened to the beard too. Uh, it's still kind of there. I, I hate shaving. Like I can't get like skin close. But it also looked really bad when I shaved, like, or when I had my hair cut yesterday. And then, like, this was almost bigger than the rest of it. So, why are we talking about this? Why do I have to explain we talk, we my facial hair? This is what the people want. They want, they <laughs> the people want to know. Want. All right. If they really care, I'll go in depth. But uh, it's, it's not that fascinating. <laughs> I got a haircut. Yes, all of them. And then I, I slightly trimmed. <laughs> I don't know. Well, On to the Ducks. It's better news than this, but we'll get into this because, I mean, this is a Ducks podcast after all. So let's get into the pregame notes. There wasn't a lot. Uh, Sam Steele and Jakob Larson were called up, but they were emergency call-ups, I guess. And what it said was, in case some guys can't go, well, Ryan Getzlaff couldn't go tonight because he's still out, without, still out with injury. Sam Steele mm-hmm. and Jakob Larson didn't play. So... I, I don't know what the point is. Uh, I, I think there's quotations there. It's mostly like, eh, we, we really rather have these guys play, but you know, we can't. We got to call it an emergency. Just yeah. forward. Just, just to do it. I don't. I, I don't know the how they. Guys. Well, if you call it an emer- I mean, I don't really know the the ins and outs of the rules, but if you say it's an emergency, whether you're going to do fact check you and go like, all right, well, which guy? How serious is it? I need a doctor's note. I also need, you know, the, you know, his history from the last three games. I, I don't know how you really kind of prove it's an emergency or not. You just call it one and then keep him up until you decide, all right, I'm not going to really play him, so they can go away now. I, I don't know. I, I would assume if they're not going to play, they probably get sent back down. These aren't two guys you want to just ride the press box for however many games, so the 18 games nah. left this season. Um, Miller back in. He's back from injury. Looked like yeah. he was completely healthy in this game because he yeah. was – the only reason the Ducks really were in it at some times, he made some pretty good saves. Yeah. Uh, John Gibson apparently could be ready for Friday, which yeah. is good news if you want John Gibson to be healthy and bad news if you want the Ducks to tank this year because <laughs> if John Gibson's ready to come back and he really is 100%, uh, he ups the Ducks' chances to win uh, by just a, a ridiculous amount. I mean, he is the the key piece to this Ducks team when he's in the lineup, and he he's probably the only guy, I think, on this team that can win games by himself. Yeah, and that's when the Ducks played bad. And, uh, you know, as, as far as I'm concerned, that the Ducks haven't been playing very bad. They haven't been finishing nearly at the, the rate they should be with the quality chances they're getting. But at the same time, uh, yeah, w- once Gibson's in there, then uh, you, you can probably start to see a few more wins given how the offense is kind of clicking at this point. Yeah, uh, the lines for today, fairly similar, a little bit of change. Uh, Henrik Perry with Sprong. Uh, Devin Shore goes into the center of the ice, centering Raquel and Silverberg, which was a unique second line that we haven't seen before. Derek Grant back with the kids and Jones and Terry, which looked really good again tonight. And Nick Ritchie getting the, the demotion playing down with Ryan Kessler and Carter Rowney. And I call it a demotion, but honestly, they actually looked pretty good tonight because when you get to play Ryan Kessler and, and Nick Ritchie and even Carter Rowney uh, against another team's fourth line, that's a pretty decent fourth line you can roll over the boards. Yeah, they should definitely outchance the other fourth line, you would think, at, at, 
at some point in the game. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what you would hope for. And uh, they, they don't do a big job of trying to match up anymore. That was kind of Carlisle's thing. Now they just kind of roll the forward lines as as necessary and kind of keep the minutes in check. So, um, like I said, in all intents and purposes, the, the Ducks were probably a better fourth line than the other fourth line. But uh doesn't doesn't work out too great. In the yeah, that, that doesn't generally turn the tide of the game. Yeah, because your fourth, yeah. lines, your fourth line's better than my fourth line. Fourth line uh, uh, no, no, it's not. I'll prove it. Uh, defense <laughs> pairings, Lindholm, Manson the same, and a small switch up, which I actually, I actually was happy with. Brendan Gooley playing with Cam Fowler for the entire yeah. game today. Yeah. And uh, Gooley playing on the left, Fowler playing on the right. So Fowler has to make way and then move to the offside for Brandon Gooley to play on the left, most likely just because Gooley's the rookie, and it's it's yeah. Fowler who would probably be more comfortable moving to the right side. And then we saw the bottom pairing of Magna and Holzer, which uh, I wasn't like excited about it, but it didn't turn out to be a problem in this game. I'd have to yeah. look, go and look at natural stature to see if they were the worst pairing on the ice, which you could probably assume they were. I don't know, but just based off the names on the sheet, but I didn't notice too many glaring mistakes from these guys. No, no, exactly. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird because there are two big bodies that play kind of a, a big body game, but they're they're also I don't want to say good, you know, but they're definitely able to play a smart defensive game um, if they're not having to play against top level talent. So we'll put it yeah, that way. And if they're not playing more than fifteen minutes a night, <laughs> exactly. So if they have sheltered minutes, they're not playing against a top team. They're very competent defensemen. Now, I think they're good. They're, they're, they're big guys. Um, I mean, they weren't out. I mean, let's see. There was a shorthanded goal. There was a power play goal. And the other two were against Lindholm. So yeah. I, I can't think of too many times where I thought they were out there and uh, were, weren't looking so great. Yeah, so not a bad effort for them. Uh, let's get into the first period because I, I, I don't want to spend too long on this game because it was so disappointing. The first two periods weren't bad, but... In the first, uh, Max Jones again. I mean, every game, this guy is just impressive. He just can't get on the score sheet. And and he opened the the best chance of the game for the Ducks early on by using his speed and size, which is the the hallmarks of his game, to drive to the net and create a scoring chance. It doesn't end up getting to the net. It gets blocked away by a Chicago Blackhawk player. But this is one of about four or five, maybe even more, uh, good plays by Max Jones in this game to either get a scoring chance for himself or set up a teammate. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's kind of the same thing we we keep talking about. He, he's there. It's just I got to I got to start seeing the goals go in, and uh, I'm sure it'll be there at some point this season. Once again, we're at a point now where it's definitely a wash of a season. So you just kind of hope that it doesn't become a thing where it's like, wow, he's doing so great, but he's never scoring a goal. It's just yeah. I think once he gets that goal to go in, then. Uh, it's a weird thing. Catch a bottle. You hit it, hit it, hit it. And then finally everything just happens. And so uh, I'm hoping that's going to be happening because if you get that many chances and you're creating that, uh, you know, a lot of times just by himself. And if he's able to do that, eventually they'll start going in. He'll start getting goals. It just, yeah, it's odd. It hasn't gone in yet. <laughs> Speaking of another young rookie on this team, I guess, I guess you can call him a rookie. I don't know if he's classified as a rookie anymore, but Brendan Gooley uh, made his first mistake in a, in a Ducks uniform. So I guess now he's a bust because he's, he's yeah. not doing everything perfect. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. he got How caught is Buffalo on a, doing? Right, yeah. I haven't the, even uh, checked on Brendan Watson. Yeah, I think they lost the, the first past. game. They did. Uh, their only game, yeah. Played. 
I don't want. I don't even want to think about it. But no, no. Uh, Brandon Cooley <laughs> made his first mistake. It did end up hurting him, but he made a, a decision to pinch up in the zone and, and try and rush the puck in, and he ended up turning it over. The Hawks got a three on two, but Miller ended up making a pretty good save. This is going to happen, especially again, like with the puck rushing defenseman. We saw it all the time with Brandon Montour. But the good thing from that is it was an early, early on in the game. From there on out, uh, I didn't see any noticeable mistakes from Gooley. He had another solid game. He played over 19 minutes tonight. So yeah. if he's going to make one mistake in this game, if he gets bailed out by the goaltender and his other players in that play, I'm not too worried about it. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, all, all the defense looked looked fairly good. I mean, we, we did get outshot that period. I think it was 13-8 was the final. But at the same time... Um, I thought we had a lot of good scoring chances and there were just moments where all of a sudden it seemed like the, the defense or the team as a whole kind of fell into their old habits. And there was one time where Fowler was with Manson, a pass behind the net, which should have been Manson gets it off the boards and then makes an easy out and he panics, puts it on the, the stick of Kane. Kane ends up throwing it over to Saad, I want to say, whoever it was. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember exactly who shot. You know, now that I think about it, he was solid. playing with Taves and Kunitz for for tonight for most for of the while. game. Yeah, but in the first period, he sent it to somebody else, and then Miller made that really awesome glove. Like it, it, it didn't matter, but um, it, it was just kind of once again, it's like all of a sudden I was like, oh man, said, why did he go with Fowler? What? This is what happens, people. So you know, I got, I got a little upset, but at at the same time, you know, other than falling into a little bit of that running around in the defensive zone. They were they were decent in the first through the second. I, you know, I didn't see anything that made me go like, oh, this is Van, you know, this is uh, how we played against Calgary or Edmonton or retired. Or we go into old habits. It was just there's moments of it. But uh, I think the biggest news out of all of that was the, the Raquel being uh, kicked out of the game, shown the tunnel. Yeah, that was uh, in the early part of the second. There, there's one thing I want to get to to finish off the first, though, because right. we did mention Max Jones is that play to set up uh, Adam Henry yes. on a penalty kill. Now, Max uh, Jones, I don't about that. I think he's been getting more penalty kill time because I've been starting to notice him more on the penalty kill, especially in this game. Yeah. But the plays that, again, the plays that he makes, I mean, he was never really thought of as a setup guy. But some of the plays he's been able to make, and, and it's not him making really a, a really beautiful pass or a stretch pass. It's just him using his side, using his speed, using his quickness to open up space and and draw a couple guys over. And that's what he does on this play. He makes a nice toe drag to get into the zone, pushes off a guy, spins around, cuts back to the center. And now he's got two Blackhawks on him. And Adam Henrique's just alone in the middle, and he, he threads him a pass that Adam, Henry can't really gather it too well. And then he gets it was, it back. It was thrown into his skates, wasn't really on yeah. the tape. But, I mean, how are you going to blame uh, yeah. Max Jones, where he's where he literally was kind of at the end of a penalty uh, penalty kill shift, uh, and so I mean if you're already on the penalty kill and you're leading a rush in there, you're drawing two Chicago defensemen and then throwing it out to the middle, and maybe your pass is a little bit off, whatever. I'm not going to fault the uh, the kid too much on that, but uh, yeah, I mean that's that's something that he does a lot is he ends up creating a lot of room for himself. Yeah. Um, just using his body, his, his quickness, and his puck handling ability. Uh, and that's that's a, a great asset to have and, and something you'd want in a forward. It's it's almost like a hybrid version of what like Getzloff and Perry used to do and dominate when it was that type of the heavier NHL and it wasn't as quick. But he's got that skill set 
combined with quickness and stick handling. And if you just get the puck in the net and just start adding points, all of a sudden everything falls into place. But I mean, game in game out, he does, you know, different things, but they always seem to create chances for himself or his teammates. And that's all you'd hope from a rookie. No, exactly. He's, he's done pretty much everything but put the puck in the back of the net, but it's almost yeah. not at his fault. It, it's, I, I always <laughs> hate to say that players are unlucky, but when it gets to this point and this guy's creating three or four golden chances a game and it's just not going in for him or he's just whiffing on the puck slightly, at, at some point you got to blame the hockey gods. Like Max Jones should probably have two or three <laughs> goals, if not more, at this point with the effort he's putting in. Uh, for the Raquel hit to start the mm. second period, yeah, I think this warrants a bigger discussion after we get through the game because I think oh, I don't want to argue now. I know there's a lot of people who <laughs> the decision was kind of split on social media whether it was a dirty hit, whether it wasn't, whether it's going to have supplemental it's, discipline. It's, oh, it's always a split. <laughs> yeah, <Social> so <laughs> we'll get to that at the end uh, of this discussion. So about 10 minutes from now, we'll get to it, because I think it warrants a bit of, of a bigger discussion where we can just kind of separate it and uh, sure. go more in-depth into it. But after that hit, the Blackhawks would get a five-minute power play, and it didn't take them long. as but 11 seconds into that power play where <laughs> 13, Alex did uh yeah i mean it was it was short it was it was right yeah. after it started i'm right you're and wrong just say it was 13 i think seconds you are 11. I'm, I'm looking at the highlights so it is 13 <laughs> seconds but, uh, alex to this this kid just quietly i guess you could say unless you're a blackhawks fan is having a 35 goal season this year 36 after getting the second yeah. mm-hmm. and uh this goal is a testament to what he can do i mean he gets left open just walks in and wires it top corner on ryan miller and uh, you know, a guy who was a second-round pick is looking like a steal right now. After I believe he had 30 last year, and now he's getting—he's probably going to hit 40 this year. And yeah. he's clicking on a, on a line with Dylan Strome, who was a teammate of his in Erie. I mean, this is valuable for for a Hawks team that is looking to rebuild, and and a tough one for the Ducks because you got to somebody's got to be left open on the power play. This is probably not the guy you want to leave open because he can do stuff like this. Well, that power play is is such a huge threat. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I want to say it's the top power play in the NHL. Um, Lately. Yeah, yeah, definitely since I think January they were talking about. Since the new year, I mean, that, that, that power play is just completely on fire. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it's unfortunate. Um, it, it could also kind of be attributed a little bit to, like, really, we got a five-minute major for that. Okay, let's regroup. And then they just didn't quite do it in the first 13 seconds. They end up rebounding later. But, yeah, I mean, that guy's left all alone. He could dust it off, pick where he wants to shoot it, and uh, you, you add the 35th goal of the season, which is uh, surprising when you think about it. At the, the end of the game, the Chicago Blackhawks have uh, two guys that have equaled 76 goals on their roster. That is great for Chicago, especially – you want to call it a rebuild, a retool, or something. I mean, they got enough talent now, and this is what they used to do: have the star talent and then build around it with another elite scorer. Saad was supposed to come back and do that; hasn't really worked out. But they found a, a couple of guys that have been able to do it. Debrinkat's been uh, uh, the most noticeable one for sure. But that would be it for the Blackhawks on that power play. <laughs> yeah, it was the, nothing the Ducks, after that. <laughs> the Ducks would get something going on the, the power play for the Blackhawks where they'd get a two-on-one rush with Devin Shore. And uh, his pass across, uh, he waited a little bit too long, but he got rewarded for it because it ends up hitting, yeah, I think, Duncan Keith 
I believe it hits, or maybe it was Seabrook, it, or I can't even remember. It hits someone. I don't remember. I'm yeah. not even trying to remember. A it hits defenseman. It hit, yeah, it hits a Blackhawks player, bounces right back to Devin Shore, and uh, he gets a, a shorthanded goal to tie the game at one. Good effort by the Ducks to actually get a great pass by Josh Manson from his yeah. own zone off the boards to spring Devin Shore to begin with. Not the prettiest execution on a two-on-one, but it doesn't matter if it goes in the back of the net anyway. Yeah, it was it was kind of interesting watching, uh, particularly that penalty kill. After they gave up the goal, it, it seemed to change the way the Ducks played the penalty kill. Um, they were very aggressive. Prior to that two-on-one, there was a previous two-on-one uh, where Fowler like smacked it out of the air. It wasn't a high danger shift, but I mean the fact that they score, it's a five-minute power play. Usually, you just sit back and, and let it happen. But they were kind of pushing the issue, taking the chances they they could and tried to push for a shorthanded goal. They had that one, and then immediately after that, I think they got kind of an, uh, I think, um, Silverberg, I think, even got a chance that was saved. Yeah. And then after that, they got another two-on-one that ends up going in the net. So, you know, what could have been a debilitating, oh, we lost Raquel, oh, we just gave up the first goal, and it's a power play. Uh, we could really sink our heads in here and just go with it, or they turned it completely around, were very aggressive on the penalty kill, and got chances and ultimately got rewarded. Kind of a fluky play, but at the same time, take it. <laughs> take yeah, it if you can. It, it sparked some good play from the Ducks after that because Perry and Henrique got a broken on a 201 after that, and they actually executed it pretty well. It was just a good read by Crawford yeah. to, to read the pass from Henrique, and, and Perry's one-timer went right into the, the chest protector mm-hmm. of, of Corey Crawford. Uh, Silverberg had a good chance where he got in kind of alone. I mean, he, he him himself, like semi, himself like he was semi. alone, but it wasn't a breakaway, yeah. but he had a, a, that's that's kind of the position you want Jakob Silverberg to be in, where he <laughs> has enough room to, to pull it into his wheelhouse and get, and get a good shot. But uh, it ends up being a, a pretty good glove save from Corey Crawford. Yeah, like and, uh, Brian Hayward says, the old show him and take it away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he made it look a lot better than it really was. But yeah. it was still, it's still a good positional save. But For sure. the Ducks would get a power play. And everything was looking up. I mean, they tied up one, a couple good chances, some good play. And then just a, <laughs> I don't know, it's like a break in play where Anisimov is just kind of casually skating into the duck zone. He doesn't really have a great angle. Just fakes that he's going to go behind the net, fools Ryan Miller, and then he wires it short side. I mean, this, I didn't expect this to go in. The Ducks were playing pretty well. Power play wasn't doing pretty well, but... Just Cam Fowler just kind of doing what he should do, pushing him to the outside, thinking he's yeah. going to go behind the net, and it ends up just being a shot that fools Miller. Yeah. You know me. I like to uh, back up the goalies whenever and try and find a way that it's not their fault. Uh, yeah. But in this one, uh, yeah, he, he, he anticipated wrong. He, he slouched down, kind of went down a little early, assuming that he really uh, Nisimov wasn't going to try and shoot or let alone shoot high, and that he was probably just going to try and take the puck around. But Nisimov does – a little bit of a fake, like that's going to happen, and then just flings it and flings it high, and that's just uh, you know a goalie anticipating one thing and got got caught. And if you get caught, you're, you're caught, and you, you kind of look bad on it. And uh, that's what the Ducks can't really have out of Miller right now. Uh, he's he's got to kind of make those stops or at least be true to uh, a potential scoring threat. Yeah, and yeah. after that, the Ducks. The good thing is they didn't really look deflated after that goal because nah. they easily could have. You know, it was a goal that they had been playing really well up into that point, and it's against the grain of play. And usually, some teams will look at, it, especially the way the Ducks have this season, and they'll just get completely deflated. But some even yeah. play after that, 
and it yeah. leads to the Kessler goal. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like they gave up. Yeah, and they could have easily given up too, considering this is a team that just got shot out, only had one goal against Edmonton, one goal against Calgary. They scored only a shorthanded goal against Chicago, and that's halfway through the game. They give up another shorthanded goal, and they're down 2 1. I mean, you know, for a team that's you know, dying for goals, that could just look like a mountain for them. And, uh, you know, good on them to, to not just, you know, to just believe in the system that eventually you'll get more chances. They should start going in and not just going like, ah, oh, here we go again. Let's call it in. Yeah. And, and they actually had some pretty good chances. His back and forth after that goal. But then uh, Ryan Kessler knocks down a puck out of midair, which is a good effort from him. And we talked about this fourth line not really being a typical fourth line. And and Kessler making that good play to keep it in. And then he just throws it on that. It wasn't even a, really a great shot. I, I don't know what he was trying to do with it because Rowney didn't really look like he was going to be in a position to tip it in. He just kind of does a flyby, gets yeah. a, a small piece on it, which was just enough to get it past Corey Crawford. I mean, it looks like a very nice set play because Crawford is expecting that he can poke check that away and put it towards the boards. And Rowney just kind of flies through and gets a nice piece of it that it goes underneath the <laughs> stick and, and between Crawford's legs and into the net. I don't think it was a set play by any means, but it, it looks nice and the Ducks end up tying the game, so you can't complain. <laughs> yeah, no, that, in my opinion, that was uh, Kessler bringing it down, actually spotting Ronnie moving to the front of the net and trying to get it to him in front because there really wasn't anyone around uh, Ronnie. So he could have taken it and then tried to do deeks, try and do whatever he, if he could have corralled the puck. And that's kind of what Crawford looked like. He was anticipating like Ronnie was going to get it and then try to make a move with it. And he was going to surprise him with a poke check. So he goes out for that poke check and <laughs> Ronnie's just like, Oh, here's the puck. Ugh. And just kind of like makes a movement on it, ends up deflecting it, and then Crawford sticks is nowhere near where it should be. He's anticipating he's going to have to kick to the left or the right, something like that. So he's leaving his five hole a little bit open. That deflection kind of same thing as Miller, just more of a surprise. Like he anticipated something happening, it didn't happen that way, and unfortunately he was in a bad position once it didn't go the way he thought it was going to go. So. You know, it ended up working out. But I think Kessler was trying to, like, oh, here's a nice, easy, soft pass. You take it. And then Rowney's like, I don't want anything to do with that. I'll just I'll wave at it, see what happens. <laughs> and, and whatever works, right? It works. I mean, yeah, take line, it. <laughs> if your fourth line scoring goals, you, you'll take any, any way it goes into the back of the net. Wasn't a bad period for the Ducks. They outshot the, the Blackhawks 15 to 10. Yeah. They evened up the shots 23 to 23. You know, they and ended up for, for second periods because the Ducks are just yeah. horrific. Every time we get in the second period, I'm like, all right, so we're going to go down by at least another goal, and then we got to figure out a way the third to bring it back. That, was, that wasn't the case. I thought they were uh, very good in the second. Yeah, I mean, they, they played well. Probably a little bit they disappointed. Problems, they give out two no. goals, right? And one of them was shorthanded, so you never want to, to have that happen. But they got a shorthanded goal of their own, so it's not too bad. Um, yeah. And then you yeah, head into the third. And the Ducks this year, even when they're tied, but especially if they ever have a lead going into the third, they seem to just sit back. But they didn't do that in this game, which was really nice to see, where they actually kind of took the the pressure to the Blackhawks early on. A couple good chances from Silverberg, Terry and Jones again, creating some havoc in front of the net. And that leads to the first goal of the period by the Ducks, and the only goal of the period by the Ducks, where Derek Grant ends up disrupting Corey Crawford behind the net. He throws a blind pass between his legs that just happens to find Troy Terry in front of the net. Somebody. And he's, he's got a wide open net. I mean, he he has to score this. I mean, if it was Max Jones, maybe not because he's... No, he had, 
he might have hit the crossbar and missed, but Troy Terry, uh, he's not going to miss that one. Gets his second of the season. The Ducks lead, and they look like they deserved it. Yeah, uh, yeah to your point, uh, if uh, Max Jones got that, that would hit three posts and gone out. Uh, but, yeah. you know, with Troy Terry in there, he can uh, notch his second goal of his NHL career on kind of a, a gimme a la Mike Smith uh, trying to play the puck behind the net. Didn't quite work out, but it was uh, it was good on um, Derek Grant Derek Grant going in and actually forcing the hand of Crawford and the Crawford was just he was the, on an island he was by himself uh, you know uh, you know fish out of water he was, he was swimming around trying to trying to find some way to get back to the front but yeah that little tip behind you know between the legs it actually goes past why it goes past Crawford goes past a Ducks player goes past a, a Blackhawks player right on the tape at Terry and they can just bury it a lot of things went right and wrong for the Blackhawks, but right for the Ducks in that sequence. So, once again, we'll take it. We're desperate for goals. We'll take whatever we can get. If goalies are going to keep uh, messing up around us. We'll we'll take everything they give us. A little bit of first game jitters back for for Corey yeah. Crawford. He, he didn't look bad in this game, but he neither one like of those was, goalies did. Yeah, yeah he, he did look a little bit off on on a couple plays like that. Uh, but then the Blackhawks, and because I want to get through this as quickly as possible. Sure. To bring it ends up getting a, a goal and a wraparound pass from Jonathan Taves, where uh, Hampus Lindholm, the first bad play of the period for Hampus Lindholm, where he recognizes, so and this is a bit different because before this season we've we've criticized the Ducks for puck watching. He recognizes to bring it's there. He's looking yeah. at, at, he did, at, he gave, at. He gave a solid look at him. Like, All right, there he is. Yeah, and he knows he he looks at his stick, knows he's gonna tie it up. And then space is out for two seconds, which is just enough time for Debrinka to put it in the back of that. He just forgets that maybe I should stick lift this guy. Maybe I should just you know kind of tie up his stick or something. And Alex Debrinka, I mean, it's cliche, but keep your stick on the ice. He keeps his stick on the ice. He yeah. swings at the puck, puts puts home his 36 of the season. He could do it anyway, I guess. I mean, he snipes the first one, and this one he just kind of scrapes it over the line. But this this one is just as strictly on Hampus Lindholm. This one. Yeah, it's. There's there's three facets of it. One, I think, is Jonathan Taves made a hell of a play. I mean, he went all the way around the net and made a hell of a pass in front of the goalie behind two defensemen because Josh Manson was also there. He didn't get a piece of that. He was standing at the top of the crease. Lindholm, uh, you couldn't have said it any better. He's the other part of this where he just spaced for a second. He saw that, looked back, saw where Taves was, and then I think like halfway to looking back to where the brink it is, he just stopped. And then the pass went, and he's like, oh, crap, what's happening? And he's like, it's in. <laughs> like He got stuck halfway, like staring like I do when I get too tired. You just stare at something for a little while, and then all of a sudden it's in. But that happened really quick. I'd like to see Miller maybe have that goal stick out to take away that pass in the middle. But at the same time, if he does that from that angle of what uh, Taves was doing, there's a good chance he deflects it in on himself anyways. Uh, but at the same time, if it goes through the crease or it's, you know, between the top of the crease and the goalie's pads, usually the goalie's, it's his job to at least have something there and be a little bit ready for that. But it did happen very quick. It was a great pass and a little bit of a brain fart from Lindholm. Yeah, and, and let Kotz in our YouTube chat kind of summed it up pretty pretty easily here. He said he took his eyes off the puck for two seconds and it screwed him. It's defense yeah. 101. Just don't lose sight of the puck. Don't uh, lose sight of your man. And he kind of did both on the play. And he just spaced out, like I said, for two seconds. Yeah, and then Two seconds, him. man. <laughs> but uh, that wasn't it for Hampus yeah. Lindholm. Because with uh, 16.6 seconds remaining, 
he gets walked by Brandon Saad with a, a really nice play by Saad. It was a toe drag yeah. right around him. Um, and then somehow Patrick Kane is just wide open on the right side of the ice, and, and Saad just feeds a nice pass into him. And that's, like we said at the beginning of the show, that's the last guy on the ice you want to leave open. And he just slots it nicely past Ryan Miller for his 40th of the season. And uh, the Blackhawks steal a late win against the Ducks, 4-3, to three, with 16 seconds remaining. I, I know this season is a wash, and, and you know losing at this point is probably better than winning. But losing in this fashion is never fun. Uh, it's not fun to watch, and it's not... It's not fun to watch when the Ducks play well enough to win, and then you know, so they deserve a win, and they don't get it. I think, I think that's annoying to watch as a fan. But you yeah. know, it, it, you know, like I said, every you hope for every win, but if you lose, this thing's a little out of it. If you've accepted the fact the playoffs are out of the question, and now it's can we get a top five pick, and can we possibly get a top two pick? So every loss, those things. You're one step closer to possibly at least getting a little bit better in the offseason through the draft. Um, that being said, uh, Saad made a great play. Uh, I, I don't don't necessarily blame Lindholm, although it looks bad. Saad made a good play. And Saad's a fast skater, one of the fastest. And so it's going to be hard for Lindholm, if he gets beat, to jump back and catch up to one of the most, you know, the, the quick one of the quickest uh, forward skaters in the NHL. So, uh, he makes a good pass over to, to Kane, and Kane just, it was quick. Like, he got it, did a little thing, and then just top, it put it right across yeah. the other side to Miller, top corner, and it was it was such a quick play that I think Miller thought, like, dude, he got wide open, and he's probably going to go, you know, short side, but he went back the other way, and, and Miller was just frozen. There was, that's a 40 goal scorer. That's an elite goal scorer. I think he's at 100 points or right next to 100 Close points. To it, yeah. yeah, so I mean, uh, Miller, he loves giving up the 40th goal to guys. He did that for Ovechkin. <laughs> he's done it for Kane. Is Kucherov at 40? Is, are they coming in soon? No, he's he's at like 31. So uh, whatever. Okay. If, I don't know there. if they're coming back here this year, but uh, I don't think so either. But <laughs> I'm sure who's the next it, guy who's about to hit 40 and they'll play yeah. against Ryan Miller? It, yeah, it will happen. <laughs> But enough, enough of the Blackhawks goals. Nobody wants to talk about that. We, we left off the thing people probably most want to talk about until the end here, and that's the Ricard-Raquel hit. And, I mean, I'll, I'll throw it up on YouTube so everybody can see it again. But what, do, what are your thoughts on this hit? Because when you slow it down, it, it doesn't look as bad as full speed, which is generally the case, right? Yeah. But I still think, in my opinion – it was worth the 5 and 10. I, I think it was a dangerous hit. Raquel has plenty of time to move out of the way or, or at least attempt to stop, and he follows through and pushes into the numbers. Like I, I, I don't think it was malicious by any intent, but it was still a, a bad hit and one that I don't know if he'll be suspended for, but definitely deserved to be out for the game. Yeah, I... I, I sort of disagree with you just a little bit on that one. Um it, it it didn't feel to me, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but it, it felt like uh, Raquel was going in for a hit. He was looking to, to finish a check on a player who had it, and then that player had it, and he held up and then got rid of the puck, and then his hands weren't in a position to actually put his hands up to brace for an impact. His hands were down and out, and then got crunched in the numbers. Yes, Raquel should probably have held up at the same time. It's kind of one of those things where it's like, well, he kind of, 
and I hate to blame victims. Don't like it because if it's the other way around, I'm sure I'm, I got uh, singing a different tune. But I know Raquel, and Raquel's not a hitter. He's not a guy who tries to grind it out and just looking yeah. for that big hit. He was probably trying to finish a check. Uh, probably should have held up at least a little bit. But at the same time, I don't think it's a guy who was thinking that that hit was going to be as bad as it ended up being. Like, I mean, it was just kind of, I'm going to hit you. Here comes a hit. You're not going to get around. And then the guy throws the puck, and then his hands are kind of pinned to the side. Raquel finishes the check, and his head's in a bad spot. His body's in a bad spot, and he goes down. So I would give it a penalty. I can see a major. I don't think it's shown the tunnel worth of that and i don't think it's suspension worthy definitely a penalty you gotta hold up you see the numbers you gotta at least back off the brakes a little bit but at the same time i think he was going for a hit that he didn't think was going to be a bad hit if the dude had his arms up a little bit higher but he was kind of stuck at the last second throwing the puck around turning and then all of a sudden he can't bring his hands up to protect his face off the glass so yeah I can see both sides of it because the eye of the beholder, I suppose. Yeah, like R- Ricard Raquel does push into his numbers. He probably shouldn't. He probably should have attempted to stop, and he didn't. So then, at that point, it is an illegal hit from behind into the boards. It is boarding. It is five minutes. You yeah. could borderline and say maybe he shouldn't have deserved a, a ten minute. That's up to you. Generally, like it depends on the ref. Some refs, if they give a five, they generally give a ten, especially if it's if it's a dangerous hit. It, it, that that doesn't matter too much to me. But if you look at it from the other side, I mean, Drake Kajula as well. I mean, he stops and turns into the hit in the last second. And, you yeah. know, he was, Raquel was always behind him, but Kajula is trying to slap the puck around the board. So he's stopping up and embracing for any type of impact. And he turns a little bit to the right and puts himself in a really dangerous position to get hit from behind. And that yeah. is a bit on him as much as is on as it is on Raquel. And in that sense, I don't think it will be worth a suspension. So, yeah, I, I think what they gave him is generally fair. I think if you wanted, most people think the 5 was enough, maybe not the 10. But, it, you know, that, that's, that's a discretion at. of the ref. But there's definitely no doubt in my mind that this is not suspension worthy. I, I don't think this is... Uh, you know, a, a hit to the head, and and you look at even people questioning if McDavid's hit was was suspension worthy, <laughs> and that was probably worse than this because he clips a guy in the head, and and those are usually the ones now that kind of go out and and get suspensions. That's what the NHL is really looking at is for hits to the head. And yes, this is dangerous. Yes, this is a little bit reckless, but I'd be really surprised to see him get a, a game or yeah. two unless they were looking to make a statement. Yeah, it wouldn't make sense to me because, yeah, usually now they're looking at is the head the principal point of contact. In this situation, it was not. Though the head hit the glass, he hit the numbers. But, I mean, like, I mean, if he really wanted to really get into him, he could have. And he didn't. He needed to hold up a little bit for sure. But, uh, you know, it's, it's not like anyone coming through the middle and the head is targeted where, you know, someone's not necessarily expecting a head hit. Uh, you know, it, it, more or less... What I don't like about it is that it's up to the the ref's discretion and to the refs, what they're going to look at is, well, okay, the hit happened. Now, how bad does that guy look? And the longer that kid stays down or whoever it is stays down, the worse it's going to be. And then it's up to the discretion of the ref. So, I mean, it sucks. I mean, it's a, it's a judgment call for them, but in my opinion, it, it didn't warrant, you know, kicking them out five minute major. I don't know if that's like something they have to do like automatically, Maybe that's it. Like, if you give him a five-minute major for boarding, 
you have to. Kick I don't him know. Out. I don't remember if I if I see it on every player. Not like I definitely have seen it before, where it's a boarding yeah. from behind. It's a five and a ten, but I don't think you have to. But some refs they might just do it on every play like that, just to to make sure it doesn't happen again. I think at that point, the ten, the extra ten, is all depending on the ref. Yeah, uh, yeah. I just I didn't I didn't see malicious intent. I, I felt like it was it was a quick play. A guy who's not. Um, you know, known for hitting in the first place. And yeah. then he was just, you know, trying to trying to finish his check or what he's been told to do. Guy changed his his way, couldn't couldn't or changed his position, couldn't get his hands up in a quick enough time. So he ends up, you know, knocking his head around a little bit off the glass. But it's not like the shoulder of Raquel is the thing that really kind of you know popped it all off. It was just he hit hit him, hit him in the numbers. He deserves a penalty. It deserves to get kicked out of the game. I don't think so. I don't think he was running around being reckless. It's just maybe a guy who doesn't necessarily know how he should be hitting because he's usually a winger. He's not yeah. asked to be aggressive. So I, I would have done that. But if you don't know who Raquel is and you just see the play, you might think, well, this might be what he does now. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, no like suspension Clutch, in my opinion. Yeah. Like Clutch cleared it up for the, the fact that he said, I, I've seen majors that don't get ejected before. And, and I'm sure that's the case. And, and I, yeah. again, I think that, that, that kind of, I didn't know if like perhaps. boarding was a certain, yeah, I, I think boarding, I, I you can it, do a double but... minor. You can either do a minor or major. Yeah. But I, I'm, 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 I'm not quite sure on whether or not if it's a major, you have to give a 10 to, cause I know there's some weird, funky rules in the NHL. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. But the, the uh, Ricky and Dan bring up an interesting point in this because the Chicago broadcaster, I guess the national broadcast, uh, mm-hmm. said that Kajula was out with a concussion, and that's what they heard from team sources. So maybe that plays a role in whether Raquel sees any supplemental discipline because that does sometimes play a role in yeah, if absolutely. a guy is going to get suspended or not. And if Kajula is out with a concussion or even just reported that he suffered a concussion, that could be an issue for ricard Raquel if, he, if if he's going to end up getting a suspension or not because it, it plays a big role i mean if kajoli gets up comes back in the game and plays then they don't look at it too much but i think he missed the rest of the game and it yeah. is reported that he he has a concussion so that could come back and bite ricard Raquel, and, and he could possibly miss games just because of that yeah the the uh department of player safety other than just spinning the wheel of how many suspension you know how many games are going to be suspended for <laughs> If yeah. they don't do that, they, they, they claim that they fall under, you know, a few different categories. One, was a player injured on the play? Did they return in the game? That factors into whether or not they look at a suspension. Second thing is the history of the player. The, you know, is this a, a repeat offender, someone who's been suspended or fined within the last, I think, 18 months, so a year and a half, uh, which Raquel is not, to my understanding. I don't think he's been fined. I know he hasn't been suspended. Um, and then, you know, what was the penalty in the game? And if it was, you know, a suspended, essentially lost the game because he got kicked out, uh, they might look at it that way. And so there, there might be supplemental injury ju- or uh, suspensions just because the guy actually got hurt. But once again, I think if they look at the play, Raquel wasn't looking to murder the guy. So I just, but once again, they, they could spin that wheel, and who knows? It, it could be a you know, life ban. I don't know at this point. Yeah. No one knows. Aber- aberration <laughs> in our chat said, I thought suspensions were supposed to not be based on injuries. Technically, they're not. It, but they're, it, it, they are. It does play a role. Like, they, they will tell you it doesn't play a role, but it plays a role. Like, no, I, th- no I think, that, I think they've actually said it was. Because whenever they let, let out one of those releases as to why they suspended a player or why they didn't, 
they'll put that in like the little bulletin that they have. And one of his, the, in, the player was injured on the play. And then they go, he has a history or he has no history, you know, and, and that's why. So that is why the NHL player of department safety has suspended or not suspended uh, a person X for two games. It, it does play. They, they, they want to know if that person's been injured, if they return in the game, something like that. Yeah. It actually does play and they talk about it. So injuries do. Yeah, I mean, that wasn't the only dirty hit among Ducks players or prospects because Maxime Comtois, after we talked about him yesterday, is now uh, suspended for three games for charging. So we got to stop right, talking about people. I know. Right after we <laughs> talked about how well he's doing, now he's going to miss the uh, the next three games. Uh, uh, he needs three. a rest. Uh, that stick's uh, melting with the uh, all the goals he's scoring off of that one. Uh, he can, he can yeah. admire his hat collection now. Yeah, he needs a break. He needs time to sort through his hat collection because he has yeah, three of the last uh, seven games. He, he's got the time now. But uh, one thing we should talk about with the Ducks because they've broken a lot of franchise records in, in a bad way this year, um, mm. You know, when it was a losing streak and, and everything uh, as such with that. But they're getting close to beating another one. It would, it would have to be... Maggie has lost? No, I, I don't... Oh. They might have already beat that, but it, it's, it's goals for in a season this year in the fact that oh. uh, on the low end, and so yeah. the franchise low for goals in a season is 175 back in 2001-2002. So after the game today, the Ducks are at 149. Hmm? Which so. should be possible. That's less than two goals per game. I know the Ducks yeah. right now are scoring at like 2.17 goals per game. So it really <laughs> isn't far off when you think about nah. it. Normally a team should be able to score more than two goals per game in a season. But the way the Ducks have been going this year, I wouldn't put it out of the question. I mean, this this would just cap off what a, a miserable season this would be <laughs> if, they, if they had a franchise low in, in goals for it. And it just tells you how bad this offense has been this year and how much guys have struggled. And like... You look at that 0102 team, like they're not like this team should be better than than that team. And yeah. somehow the Ducks just can't score any goals. I mean, 142 goals. You know why, right? I mean, season. it's obvious. But Randy Carlisle? Randy Carlisle, that system is just garbage. But they're still I mean, it, they they scored three goals tonight. Yeah, they they three got in their shut previous out. They, well, three. they got shut out against Vancouver. Once again, they got chances. That's what I care about. You know, goals will happen the more chances you get. What I didn't like in the 56 games under Carlisle or whatever it ended up being, there just wasn't chances. I mean, they, they might have, you know, potted a goal here or there. Every now and again, they came back against Washington, but they were down. I mean, they just, they look horrible. There was no scoring chances and there was no feeling that they would ever get back into any games that they were down. I don't have that feeling anymore. I watched that team play and they, they got chances and they can bury them. Great. If they could, they could get Getzloff back. If, uh, you know, Kasha was, you know, back in the fold, if Raquel's not gone for majority of a game, even though he's been struggling anyways, but the the team is better than what they're showing, and lately they've gotten the chances. And if they start bearing it on a more consistent basis, this team will not do that. Um, this team has looked horrible from the you know I call it two different seasons. The first season just blew under Carolina. There were no chances. It was goalie save us, and then eventually the goalies wore down, got injured. Now 
were on the backup. But before that, we had their fourth and fifth string goalies playing. Um, so at this point, I think they can do it. I think they're getting enough chances. And, you know, if Max Jones actually starts scoring goals, then that, that thing's uh, never going to go in. And, like, if his scoring chances actually start resulting yeah. in goals, then we're completely okay. Well, not only that, the Ducks are, uh, have a legit chance, as Apparition said, of getting a negative 70 goal differential on the season. Oh. So, uh, yeah, th- that's pretty bad. Um, a couple <laughs> people in the chat, now since I brought up the, the Maxime Comtois, uh, the Comtois hit, yeah. they want to see it. So I will pull it up for everybody on YouTube. If you're listening to this, I'm sorry, because now I'm... <laughs> This is. Uh, I'll, I'll just go do 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 do. Yeah, so be entertained by that. If you want to check it out, <laughs> rds.ca, you can find the uh, the hit. They have it listed on there. Uh, it's typical, not great quality from the QMJHL, <laughs> from the CHL in general. Um, but it, 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 it wasn't a pretty hit. It, it was a charge. He gets a guy in the head. Um, he's a very similar player in junior to, to Max Jones. I think he's a little more offensively gifted but he does have a mean streak and we've seen that in the past and you know he he can tend to to do these things where he gets suspended and makes a, a bad hit and uh, <laughs> you know, that's something when the last time we interviewed uh max jones that he brought up to us that he was working on his discipline and that it was something that the coaching staff said he has to get better at and make sure that it, it's not going to be a problem in the NHL. And I think he's done that. And he, he, he even told us he was great job. Yeah. So I yeah. think, I, I don't was think that before necessary. or after he got a delivery during the interview? I think that was the same, uh, the same one. I think that was, you the know, same. I, no, I was saying was he, did he say that just before he got food or after? Oh, I'm I trying don't. to determine how hangry he was when he yeah. told us. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. But I, the thing is, like, I don't think Maxime Comtois is going to get the same talk from the ducks. But uh, if things like that keep happening, you, you you could see it where they might say, hey, like, you got to kind of calm, calm that down. Calm it down. You don't have to <laughs> make that play. Easy. Yeah, you don't have to make that hit. It was a little bit late. Like, you don't have to to go out and, and do that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not something you have to really – it's not the hit that you have to make in that situation, especially when you're, you know, the team's top goal scorer and you're on a roll that you are. The last thing you want to do – for your team is get taken out of the game. So it's a tough, tough call. And, you know, hopefully he's back soon and he can get going uh, for, for Drummondville. Obviously it's three games. Yeah. Is he going to be back soon? How soon is he going to be? Is it going to be four games? Well, I mean, it's three games for now, but it all depends (laughs) on the the coaching staff. I'm sure they'll want to get him back as soon as they can, but you never know. Right. I mean, those are, those are things you don't want to see. Last thing we'll get into Mm -hmm. the fan questions because we got to (gasps) get up. We actually have fans. I mean, I guess. I mean, we have a color. Me surprised. Yeah, I know, right? All these people in the chat. I, I don't know if all the people in the chat. Will uh, are they themselves. all about my hair? They all. They were. They were early. Not so much. Uh, not so much now. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they got the fascinating story about how I went to supercuts. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> on yesterday's. Uh, not yesterday, last podcast, we got a question that came in a little bit late after oh. the fact. So we yeah. missed out on that one. Uh, it was from Ducks71583 on Instagram asking, with the trade deadline being officially over, who do you see being traded during the draft? So if you had to pick, I don't know, the most likely guy 
to get uh, traded at the draft, who do you think it'd be at this point? Sprong. Uh, Sprong, mostly because they, they sat him for four games. They could have played him when Getzloff went out. Um, you know, they could have done a, a number of things with him. They decided not to. Uh, who they bring in? They brought in, was it Gibbons? They brought or... in, they brought it. who? In the offseason? Yeah, they brought in Brian Gibbons, yeah. No, 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 not in the offseason. When when Getzloff went out, uh, they they ended up bringing in Sam Steele for a time. But the the game before that, instead of bringing him, I think they brought in Gibbons uh, from the minors. And that kind of tells you a lot where Sprong's just sitting there. um, And they said, no, we'll just bring in uh, Gibbons. They're like, oh, that didn't work. We'll call up Sam Steele. Now, you you go ahead and sit down, Sprong. We'll, we'll, We'll find some other way to make this work. Uh, yeah. That's kind of writing on the wall. Uh, then he plays in Vancouver, no goals for the entire team. Plays this game, uh, not noticeable uh, at all. I think even um, I think he was the one who went to the box when the Ducks had the too many men on the ice. So like he was kind of like, all right, well, we got to send somebody. Let's send the guy that we're not going to play or we don't really care about, and that's Sprung or you know. I know he went to the box at one point. I assumed it was for that one, but uh, he's probably the most likely because whoever gets him gets him for at least a full year. Um, other than that, it's uh, you know Henrique would probably be a possibility, um, yeah. or or a young defenseman, mostly because if they're moving a young defenseman and they have two first round draft picks, they could possibly get a uh, right defenseman, which this team kind of needs at this. Well, I won't say needs, but it would make things work out a whole lot better when you consider that the Ducks have Manson, uh, Lindholm, and Fowler. They have a short um, uh, a short depth chart on the right side defenseman. And so if they can trade one of their young left side defensemen with maybe a first-round draft pick, you can get someone who's a legitimate right side defenseman who can plug in with Fowler. And then you, once again, have at least a, a top four defensive core. Yeah, no, I, I think that's likely. Uh, you know, for me, I think the the most likely option to get traded is probably not a major deal. It probably is, like you said, Sprong or or somebody else in, in that nature. But if I had to pick, you know, the dream Who trade. Who you want. Or yeah. not, I don't want to say the dream trade, or but the, the, the <laughs> trade that could work the best for the Ducks is if I think if Colorado doesn't get number one, if they can make the, uh, that trade with that pick to get a, a, an actual – defenseman who can help them now a good defenseman in their mid-20s and move that pick to a different team there's possibly they could do that so if you're the ducks i think mm-hmm. you explore and see if sakic is willing to move that pick for fowler plus uh, there's mm-hmm. a good possibility that could work that the the avalanche could work that into their cap then you can play fowler with tyson berry which i think would actually be a pretty good pairing and would work well for the the style of play that the colorado avalanche want to play and if they don't have the number one overall pick and they don't end up getting Jack Hughes, or even if they if they don't get number two and they don't have Jack Hughes or Capocacco, if they have three or four, you probably you probably try and go make that move, right? If you're the Ducks, try and get two top five picks potentially, or at least jump into the top five for some reason. Oh, okay. There. I thought I thought you were talking like them trading their first pick. So, like, they go from, like, the fifth overall and then they're trading up to the second overall and adding no, power. No, 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 that, no. that wouldn't make any sense to me. Okay. You're no, talking no. about the St. Louis-San Jose pick from the first round? Are you talking about a first-round pick I, in I'm Fowler? I'm talking about Colorado's number one overall pick that they have from Ottawa. Yes. 
Yeah. Uh, so, but what what are the Ducks going to give up? Fowler. Fowler and plus something. I it depends. It depends on what uh, else Colorado would want. What else uh, constitutes a fair deal in that sense? It all depends on what overall pick the, the Avalanche have. I think if they get Jack Hughes, I don't think they're going to trade him. I don't think yeah. they're going to trade that pick. I know it doesn't really work in their system when they already have an elite center like with Nathan McKinnon, but you make it work when you can get yeah. a player like Jack Hughes. Maybe the same goes for Capo Caco. It depends on how they feel about him. But if they're willing to move the number two overall, if they get it, number three overall, if they get it, maybe even number four if they fall that far. If you're the Ducks, I think you explore it. And at least you go to Sacking and say, hey, you know, would you consider moving that pick if we were to give you Cam Fowler? And if they say, no, we want something else involved in that, then maybe you have to consider Cam Fowler plus something, whether it's a prospect, whether it's the late first. I obviously wouldn't be Fowler plus the uh, late first. It wouldn't be Fowler plus your higher first. Maybe the Fowler plus like the 20. I don't, I don't even think you'd even put a first and Fowler for second. It all depends. I mean, it's subjective, yeah. right? It, you know, we all, I think everybody will well, have. I'm right. Value. Just tell me I'm right. So we'll move so on. So it, it, I mean, <laughs> in the end, it would all depend on what Sackick thinks is a fair deal for that pick, right? Yeah. And, Fowler, Fowler still has his name. His name carries a lot of weight in the league and a, a lot with other GMs. So um, I, I think you could get an overpayment for Fowler. At the same time, I'd really hate to. Within two seasons, we lose Theodore, Vodnin, Montour, Fowler. We are left literally with uh, Lindholm and Manson. And then after that, we're hoping everybody else falls into place defensively. Uh, that That's a little bit extreme. And um, unless unless there's someone they think will eventually be good enough in two or three years. It depends if you think the Ducks are going to tank, which you do. You think they're going to be bad for about three seasons. I think this is the season is an apparition. Uh, it blows, but they've already shown that it can create scoring chances under the new style, and I want to see what a new coach can do and create that. So I think it's worth hanging on to Cam Fowler because he can produce some of that offense. So I'm not a huge fan of it unless, once again, they give you something overwhelming. Uh, if it's Cam Fowler for Jack Hughes, I'll take it if if they want to they do that. But once again, I don't think anyone who's, who's got the number one overall pick is going to take a 28-year-old offensive defenseman at $5 million for the next five-plus years. So. I mean, would you would you consider doing it if it wasn't Jack Hughes? Like, if it was Capo Caco, or if it was the second, the third overall pick, where you're still getting a very good player, then the Ducks would also have whatever their pick is, which you'd assume would be in the top ten. That's you know that changes everything for the Ducks, and especially if they don't have to move that late first round pick, you now have two within the top ten, one outside the the top twenty. You got three first round picks where you can really just go out and get two forwards in the top end, a defenseman in, in in the bottom half of the draft. You don't necessarily kill yourself in, in being competitive. Yes, you end up losing Cam Fowler, but I think if you can go out and get a top five pick, if they're willing to come over and, and get Cam Fowler, as much as as you want to be competitive and as much as as you may like Cam Fowler, you can't pass that up at the, at the direction the, the Ducks are in at that point. It, it would have to blow the skirt up of the the GM involved. And uh, Bob Murray's not one that gets his skirt blown up a whole lot. Uh, so a, although a and, and although it's, it's it's definitely a possibility, like if someone yeah. brings that to you and then and then you re but that's that's a GM rethinking 
how they're going to completely do this. And he doesn't want to do rebuild. He wants to do a retool, which means he wants to do it on the fly. He wants to keep the pieces he has. That's why he's signing uh, Henrique, uh, Silverberg. He's still got, you know, the, the old three uh, at the top. And, you know, he's got at least those other three defensemen signed for quite a while. And there's still uh, Raquel and, you know, uh, Kasha. And there's still enough pieces there that he can retool. If he gets rid of Fowler, it signifies to me that, all right, either this was so good, I'm willing to suck for another two to three years while we make these first-round draft picks become yeah. our new team. And that depends if he wants to do it that way. I don't think he does. I don't think uh, he's in a market where that's going to fly too, too well. Um, and I think you're willing to maybe just put this season under the rug and just never speak of it again. And uh, move on to next season, try and be into the playoffs and continue to build up your assets, your prospects of which, you know, Terry, Comtois, um, uh, Jones, all those guys start looking steel up there. Lundstrom, uh, you know, can can all kind of come in there and fill the void a little bit. So I don't feel they're as far away. But if they get rid of Cam Fowler, they, they are saying yeah, we're going to take a step back from competing for a while because this this offer was too good to pass up. But I just don't see that being Bob Murray style. He's I don't think he's no, I, I completely get it. And I understand wanting to keep him around. I just think, you know, Bob Murray always says if he gets a deal that is too good to be true, he'll take But he it. loves defensemen. He is a defenseman. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. I know. But when you. <laughs> I, I, we'll drop it after this because we can talk <laughs> okay. about this probably forever. But I, I think <laughs> you look at it, 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 is a guaranteed thing. And yeah. that a lot of GMs like that. But what could be in the top after that draft, if you already have a top five pick, that could be two first-line forwards. Likely is two first-line forwards in the, in the top five of the draft. And you go and get that. I mean, Cam Fowler is a 3-4 for the rest of his career. I don't think he's a 1-2. If you can give up a 3-4 for a first-line forward, Potentially. I think you do that. So, I mean, it all depends. I don't think it's going to happen, but it's just some fun speculation because I do think <laughs> that Colorado will explore moving that pick if they don't have Jack Hughes. A um, couple other questions we had. Uh, Sierra asked, how would you grade each of the trades from this week? So just quickly go through the three. It's two of them are, are kind of pointless, but how, how yeah. would you grade the, uh, the Brandon Montour trade for the Ducks? Uh, I, I would say even, uh, you know, time will tell just, uh, the, the two games I've seen, uh, Gooley. I always want to say Gooley, but it's Gooley, right? I, th- I believe it's Gooley. Yeah. Sure. Let's just go with that. I just go with uh, what the podcasters <laughs> say. So, <laughs> so I, I've been happy with the way he's played. He's, he's speedy. He tends to make a little bit better decisions defensively. Uh, he's not as offensively gifted as Montour is going to be. Uh, but he's also younger. He's got time to, to build into that. But he's also working on his defensive side, uh, which Montour was never going to do at this point. At 24, he's not going to all of a sudden change his style. Um, in addition to that, so you, you kind of get, in my opinion, a, a little bit better defense, worse uh, offensive defenseman in uh, uh, Gooley. Uh, but you also get a first-round pick. Uh, so yeah. in my opinion, it, it benefits the Ducks because they get two first-round picks. They get a guy who can probably crack the lineup he's never gonna be you know top uh top four I mean might crack you know four or three maybe kind of hopefully uh but Montour was kind of in the same boat he was never gonna be one two he's gonna be three four maybe um so you know he's just a little bit under Montour but we get a first round pick Buffalo uh, wins in their mind too because they had three first round picks to get rid of and with Darlene in there 
uh, Gooley was, you know, obsolete at that point. He was someone they could easily move. A first-round pick, they still have two. So I think it's a win for both. So, you know, I, I, I call that uh, a B. Yeah, that's <laughs> if you want to give it a grade. It. Yeah, like, it's not a home run, so it's not an A. Yeah. And I think it is a win for both teams. And I think yeah. both teams would probably say it's an A for them. But I, I think in general, it's a B. Like, the Ducks... And only because you don't know exactly what Brandon Gooley is going to turn into. If he turns into a 3-4, then I think it's an A. Because then you've replaced a 3-4 with a 3-4. And you get a first-round pick to supplement it. So you, you yeah. basically you did made an even trade across the board, a hockey trade. And then you got a first-round pick with that. I mean, that that's a great trade any any day of the week. Just depends what Brandon Gooley turns into. Um, and what that first-round pick turns into, too. Yeah, exactly. Uh, for Del Zotto and Gibbons, like... Seas. They were like moving they're... guys they were not going to resign. So whatever yeah. you got for them was fine. Yeah. This team's not like going to make the playoffs. Yeah. Like, yeah. You can trade it, but like they're ne- those types of trades are never going to be good trades. You're never going to make a steal at that point. So yeah. you know, getting a six for Del Sato was at least you're getting something for him. And getting Saloff for <laughs> Gibbons is, is good for San Diego. So it's like I, none of them are, are trades I'm, I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, I'm so glad we made that trade. But yeah. You you, you trade you traded depth now for depth later, is is all it kind of worked out to be. Is like no one uh, really wanted it, but there was there was nowhere for anyone to really win. Everyone everyone just kind of moved pieces is all they did. Yeah, exactly. Uh, last question we have before we wrap up the show was from Canadian girl. She said, "Who do you miss more, Getzlaff <laughs> or Montour?" Uh, face wise, like. In the lineup. How pretty they are. Oh, 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 and talent? Getzloff. Talent, Getzloff, for sure. Yeah, Montour. Getzloff. Getzloff, if he keeps his helmet on. I've said that before. As long as he keeps his helmet on, he's a he's a sexy beast. Uh, Montour is fine. The ladies really like Montour. I'm okay with him, but he's all right looking. Yeah, I guess Getzloff's okay. Gets, gets for Getzloff's more your thing. I guess so. I don't know. I'm, I'm a little bit older, so. <laughs> all right well so we, we wrap up the show uh, ranking the, the looks of Ryan gets a for Brandon Montour uh, <laughs> uh, we'll be back on Friday for the game against Vegas that should be interesting because every time the Ducks play Vegas everything goes right so yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. and nothing Vegas has much stone now so nothing can go wrong with that uh, nope. uh, people love to say we're negative on this show but uh, it's, it's hard to be positive at this point so We'll hope, hope the Ducks play well. I hope it's a good game, and as long as it doesn't end this way, then uh, then I'll be fine with that. You know, it's a home game. Hopefully, the, the Ducks can get going. It's not in Vegas, which is notoriously a hard place to play. Uh-huh. But uh, Vegas is going to get probably. I would assume they're going to go in a roll soon, especially with Mark Stone playing well and Max Pacioretty starting to heat up again. So, yeah, I guess the best way to approach these games, if you're a Ducks fan, especially the upcoming games this week, is is look at what those teams are doing and then just wish the Ducks were doing that. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. There you yeah. go. <laughs> uh, we'll, uh, we're having a watch party. It's on, is it March 23rd, I believe? March 23rd, Saturday. Mr. Edward is showing up to that. Either Confirmed. I, yeah, and we've well, this is, the sec- is this the third watch party, right? So I, I'll come up. Third, yeah, to- third watch party this this uh, season, and uh, it's against the Kings. It's in our hometown. Uh, it's in um, it's technically Anaheim, but uh, it's Craftman Pizza, which is off of uh, the ninety one Imperial or La Palma and Imperial. If you need to try and search for it, but I think it's uh, Craftsman Pizza is what it's called. 
Uh, and so we're working out some some good deals. Uh, we don't mind if Kings fans want to show up. Um, we have quite a few friends that are Kings fans. My dad's oh, a Kings fan. Yeah, they'll show up in any way, in any uh, facet. But uh, you get to see us. We're going to just, this is where we kind of stockpiled all our really cool raffle gifts. So there, there should be a whole bunch uh, coming that way. But it's going to be a fun time. It's a send-off for uh, a lost season for both teams. So lose for Hughes. We'll be battling for not winning, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it'll be fun nonetheless. It'll, it'll be a fun time. Drink and, and uh, misery. <laughs> and we get to do a live podcast with all of us in the same room. Not in, not at Craftsman. But, yeah, I, I was going to say, really? Yeah. That's, that's not going to work. <laughs> we all get to actually be in the same room to do a podcast, which is always a lot of fun. Uh, yes. Last couple things. Uh, we just recorded a Q&A show on Patreon, which was a lot of fun. I mean, well, you and you and Pat recorded a Q&A it was, show. It was so interesting. And uh, once again, it's if you're on Patreon and you get to be on our Discord, <laughs> you get to ask the questions and we respond. And uh, there were some interesting interesting yeah. questions that we had to answer. It's the things I had to look up on the Internet, and I hope no one has to look up my browser. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> make sure – if that enticed you, make sure you go to uh, yeah. patreon.com slash Buckeyes Forever Mighty and, and check out the bonus show there. Uh, we have four different tiers, and we're, we're going to be revamping <laughs> Patreon in the summer as well. And last but not least, uh, a big thanks to Cool Hockey cool for hockey. not only sponsoring the podcast, but sponsoring for everybody three stars that we do before every game. Today was the last day for February, which the means one. people – I don't know yet. I got I to gotta uh, go back. I got about two or th- – I think three – three or four games to go back and, and calculate for and uh then we'll know we'll hopefully know tomorrow hopefully there's not a tie so i can just pick a winner and uh, whoever ends up winning cool hockey has the third jerseys in stock so yeah i, I would assume that's what you're going for because that's what everybody else has gone for so yeah, far. Right, every time <laughs> yeah so yeah that, make sure if you haven't participated in that march is the last month to participate in for everybody three stars because uh, I believe that's the last month that Cool Hockey provides jerseys. Because in, in, they might do April because of playoffs, but the Ducks aren't in the playoffs, so we'll have to see for that. So March should be the last month. April might it's be. It's for sure. It's yeah. for sure happening in March. It may not happen in April. May, so yeah. start guessing might, right. Like I'll, I'll probably still run it in April, but we might not uh, have the jerseys. So if you haven't been participating or you haven't been participating on a regular uh, basis and you want to win a jersey, Make sure you head over to our Twitter 45 minutes before puck drop and just answer the three questions and get your predictions in. But uh, like I said, Friday, Vegas, will be live with the podcast again. Oh. Sorry, one, one other thing. If, uh, if, if you, yeah, if you don't actually win a jersey through Cool Hockey, uh, our three uh, stars, then you can actually go to coolhockey.com and put right. in our, uh, our, our bonus code, I guess, is uh, FM20. Forever Mighty 20, and you get 20% off of any jersey, which really brings down, uh, you know, the cost of buying a legit jersey. And they are legit. We've seen them in person at some of our watch parties. So, I mean, if the you're weirded on my out wall because... From Kulaki oh, behind me. So, I still haven't oh. been able to get one. <laughs> Except for the Canada jersey. That's the that's straight. Ugh. Ugh. That one's front and center. Oh. All right. Anyway, we're rambling now. So, <laughs> Vegas, Friday. We'll be back with the podcast. I'm not sure which two of us will be there, but two of us will be there. So It yeah. will happen. Yeah, it will happen. <laughs> the show will be will be happening about 10 to 30 minutes after the game. And uh, we'll catch you guys then. Take care, guys. Bye, guys.